Welcome to the Co-Living Circle Podcast. I am the host, Paul Burke, and also the founder of CoLivingCircle.com, the best way to find co-living. Thank you for joining us today. This is the very, very first of what I hope to be many episodes. And what we're planning to do with this podcast is give you insight, interviews, and analysis on co-living. So this episode is simply titled, What is Co-Living? to introduce people to that concept. I think it's really, really fascinating, and I'll get into my story a little bit later as to how I found out about co-living and and what gripped me about it, but it definitely uh, shows a shift in how people approach living, renting, socializing even. It's different than what our parents and grandparents are used to. And so we're going to dive deeper into that, not only this episode, but in future episodes. Uh, We may have guests coming on at some point, but for now, I'm going to do the introduction and and really get you up to speed on what this new thing called co-living is, okay? We're going to start by reading the definition Wikipedia has for co-living. Co-living is a type of intentional community providing shared housing for people with shared intentions. This may simply be coming together for activities such as meals and discussion in the common living areas, yet may extend to shared workspace and collective endeavors such as living more sustainably. Okay, so if I were you and I didn't know about co-living, or maybe you do know about co-living, who am I to say, I wouldn't really be sure what that means. It could be just living with other roommates who have similar ideas about life or care about similar things. And co-living is much more than that from what I've seen. But let me explain the real tangible things about co-living and what makes it different from a typical apartment rental, okay? So when I look at sort of defining whether a space is co-living or not, here's a couple things I'm looking for, okay? Uh, One is the space furnished. Most of the co-living spaces that we see are fully furnished, or at least mostly furnished, which helps you avoid going to Ikea, buying things that you're going to sell in six months or a year anyway. So that's one less thing that you have to do. Uh, Or, you know, in LA, most people don't have a truck, so transporting a big couch or a large dresser is definitely a hassle and can even get expensive. So that's the first thing. Second thing I would say is inclusive pricing. For me, at my apartment, I pay multiple bills. I pay for my rent, my internet, utilities, all that kind of good stuff. For co-living, there's one inclusive price that you pay. That's your bottom line price. So you're not paying individually for internet, for water, sewage, gas. You're paying that one price and you don't have to mess with any other bills. So that's a really nice part about co-living is just that one price, not having to fiddle with making different payments to the utilities company, okay? This is not really part of the definition, but it's cheaper than a one-bedroom apartment and even a studio apartment. Let's just compare it to a one-bedroom right now. It's about about 40% cheaper to do co-living than it is a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco or New York City. So it's definitely extremely affordable right now. Will that change? I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure, but right now it's pretty darn affordable. Um, and then one of the other big things is individual leasing. 
in a typical rental situation, you would be on a lease for an entire house or an entire apartment. And so if your roommate doesn't pay their rent, you are responsible for that. You are on the hook. You are on the same lease. And there's definitely problems with that. Anyone who's had a bad roommate uh, who's irresponsible, who doesn't pay their rent on time, knows how stressful that is to worry about whether or not someone else is going to pay that. Co-living erases that from the picture so you can just focus on your rent and whether or not the person who lives in the room next to you pays or not isn't really any of your business. That's The landlord will handle that. One additional thing that is not true with every co-living space but with most of them that we've seen is flexible leasing terms. And I think this is one of the things that really shows a big shift in how millennials or however you want to define it, younger people are living in that maybe they don't, they don't want to be tied somewhere for an entire year. Maybe they want to live somewhere three months, six months, nine months at a time. We're seeing a lot of digital nomads, people working on contract for a few months in a city and an apartment is too big of a commitment and a hotel is too expensive. So co-living is a really nice middle ground there. So those are all the tangible things about renting co-living that are different than renting an apartment, okay? Those are all really nice. I guess one other thing I could include is if, and, and we've had this at my apartment, I live in a four bedroom apartment in East Hollywood and two of my roommates moved out. Well, we were responsible for finding their replacements and had we not found them in time, we'd be on the hook for the rent. At co-living, that's none of your concern. It's the landlord's job to fill the units and the rooms. And so that's a nice pressure that's not on you anymore with co-living. Let me talk about the intangible things about co-living. And I'm gonna tell you a story about a tour I took of Treehouse, uh, which is a co-living space in Hollywood a couple weeks ago. I found out actually from a, a Forbes article that one of my friends, Jade, was living at Treehouse. And so I told her about co-living circle and said, hey, would you mind giving me a tour of the place so I can just get a better idea of, of what it's actually like? And luckily she, she invited me and we took a tour of the space. And you know, just upon walking into the treehouse, they have this sign that says treehouse and it's not a typical apartment rental sign, but it looks like you know very playful obviously lots of leaves, uh, a lot of sort of treehouse imagery. And the building is completely unique. It's a pretty tall building, 60 rooms, I believe. You, you see it from the outside and it just looks different than any other place that I've seen, co-living or not. Jade invites me in and there's tons of things that just make you think of a treehouse. The thing about a treehouse is I, I never grew up with one but from watching movies and TV shows, there's something about a treehouse that's so seductive that's, uh, I mean, it's like one with nature, it's exclusive, it's hidden, it's really a place for bonding because it is so secluded from everything else. I, I just sort of got those vibes and, and treehouse felt like a treehouse for d adults really, which was really cool. So I, we go inside and they have a coffee bar with everything that you would want if you're a coffee nut. 
with all the pour over this and the, the gooseneck that. And I don't know all the terms, forgive me, but my girlfriend's a coffee nut. So I know she would have gone crazy over that stuff. But I saw it and recognized it as something that a coffee lover would like. They had tons of tea, a fridge full of water, LaCroix, other soft drinks. It's all part of what you pay when you are a member at Treehouse and they refill it all the time. So you never have to worry about drinking too much or being thirsty or, oh, did I drink too much LaCroix today? There's no such thing as drinking too much LaCroix anymore. That's, I, I felt like a pretty nice perk that may be small, but just one of those things that makes you more comfortable. I don't know, I liked it. Uh, so as Jade and I were talking by the bar, one of, uh, one of the members was leaving with their dog, a guy named Jason. And uh, Jade and I were talking and she introduced me to Jason and we began just talking about co-living in general. Both of them said things that were really interesting to me. Uh, I'll start with what Jay said, Jade said. She said, it's not 60 roommates. It's more like 60 friends. And then Jason added, most people look at roommates as people you share the cost with and it's like a negative. We see living with other people as a value add. I saw those statements play out over the course of the night. Um, I, I realized that they may sound maybe cheesy or, or corny or even like cultish, but they really, really uh, did reflect what's happening at Treehouse and I'm sure lots of other co-living spaces as there's so much opportunity for collaboration and relationships. After finishing up talking with Jason and, and he took his dog out, we took a tour of the space and they have a library, uh, a rooftop for co-working and, and just having drinks, a theater room, a photography room, a basically music studio where you can record things like podcasts or even music, uh, of course, because it's a music studio. And it really just had a bunch of things that normally you'd have to pay a lot of money for. Let's say you're a photographer a room to take good photo shots of products and whatnot. The, you don't normally have places to do that in a regular apartment or a house. Yes, you can put up a blue screen or green screen or whatever, but it's not gonna be the same and you're gonna have to do stuff with graphics. Whereas if you have a completely white wall with a stand for the product, it's just gonna look more natural, more professional. So there's a bunch of things like that that just showed me how good of a value this is. If you are a creative, an entrepreneur, an artist, a designer, a photographer, someone who works as a freelancer or creative, there's so many opportunities for you to basically build relationships and create cool things, whether it be media or some sort of tangible good. So that was really cool part of a tour. After that, we went upstairs to eat dinner Every week they have a Sunday dinner. And as we got up to the kitchen, they were there's a few people making dinner who live there and there was upbeat music playing in the background. And it was funny because it looked like a commercial for co-living. Like everybody was super jolly, making really bomb Mexican food and just having a good time cooking for the rest of the house. And it was funny to me just how much of a commercial it looked like because I wasn't doing some sort of review of Treehouse or rating it. 
I was just taking a tour of it with a friend and it just perfectly summed up what co-living is and I'll talk about that a little bit later but they were all having a good time making food for us. As they were making food, Jade and I kept having conversation and Jason sat next to us and then a couple minutes later, uh, David sat next to us and we were just chatting. There wasn't really hesitation as far as them coming up and sitting next to us. It just felt like natural socializing and like I knew these people longer than the few minutes I actually knew them or even saw them. That felt sort of different because in a, in a city like LA, it feels so big and you feel so lost if you don't have like a core crew that you work with or hang out with. And so them to just come up and start hanging out with us was really cool. We broke out uh, Cards of Humanity and all of a sudden we went from four to 10 people. And there was a couple other guests there and it just felt like one big family. It was open, guests were allowed, we were about to eat dinner, we were all having a good time. There was no like awkward tension between any of the uh, roommates or anything like that. So it was just really fun for us to all get together and do that. Next, we ate dinner, uh, really good Mexican food. I was terrible at folding my burrito. I don't know how those people at Cadoba do it. Notice I didn't say Chipotle because I'm team Cadoba all day, uh, just for the record. Uh, but we, we ate dinner everybody together and as we were talking just where we were from what we did for a living all that sort of stuff uh jason said he was from the seattle area and i was like oh cool we're from and he said my hometown which is a suburb of seattle and i was like whoa that's insane where'd you go to school high school college turns out he went to the same private high school as my sister and he went to the same college as i did what I realized from this interaction was in a city of, and I'm going to keep going back to this point, but in a city of 4 million people, Treehouse made LA feel small. A lot of people move out here. They stay here because of work, the industry, whatever it is. And they never really make that many connections. Too many friendships get de derailed by flakiness and traffic. For LA to feel small is really a big deal and a huge value add where you can instantly feel comfortable based on having some sort of context as to how somebody else has lived and how it's similar to yours. I, th I thought that was completely fascinating. We ate dinner and he worked at Disney. David next to me worked at Netflix. That was one of the other things that stood out is that a lot of people in co-living spaces, some of them are specifically designed around a specific interest or hobby. We point that out on the website so that you can search if you're interested in health and wellness or startups or entertainment, then there is a co-living space for you. Treehouse is a bit more broad. There's people of all different kind of backgrounds there. Just from sitting next to people who worked at Disney and Netflix and Jade is an entrepreneur, of course, it was like, holy cow, the ability to collaborate on different projects, businesses, whatever it is, is unlike any other rental experience. Especially if you like them, you can get to know them, build a relationship much easier uh, because you live in, a, in the same space rather than if you live even 
10 minutes away, you you know, seeing somebody every day really just makes it super easy to get to know somebody. And when you have 60 people that you can get to know, I think your social life is just, you're going to find people you connect with. And that may be on a personal level, that may be on a business or networking level. And so I think that's just a huge benefit of it and a shift that we're seeing because there's so many headlines about loneliness and depression and anxiety. And I think co-living really does defeat that to an extent. I actually just listened to another podcast with a guy describing his experience at co-living and how it helped sort of end his depression and loneliness because he was around other individuals who had similar intentions around health and wellness and they were positive, helped pick him up when he was down. I think that, you know, all these things I'm describing are the intangible benefits of co-living that you won't see in the price or the amenities. It's just built in through having a cohesive community of people who see other pe- living with other people as a value add, like Jason said, not as a liability. And they can feel like that if, for example, they're not paying their rent or y- your fate is somehow tied to theirs. Whereas in co-living, none of, you're all on an individual lease. So you're just rooting for them in what they're doing if for some reason they don't pay their rent, it doesn't affect you. So that doesn't even come across your mind at any point. You know, I just want to emphasize that point because it is so important that we build strong relationships and loneliness is becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, And so being able to see and talk to people who have similar interests, uh, similar faiths is just, I think, a really, really important human experience that co-living enables more than traditional renting. So with that being said, that is what co-living is. Go on colivingcircle.com, drop me a message if you have any questions, and definitely give us a five-star review. If you enjoyed learning about co-living, we're hopefully gonna have a lot more of these podcasts exploring different co-living spaces, not, not only in Los Angeles, but the rest of the country, and maybe even at some point, the rest of the world. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it.